Welcome to Wednesday Night Bible Study from Cross Point Church. We are in Romans chapter 15. Hopefully we'll cover the first 16 verses, which is about half of that chapter. We've been on this series called Back to the Basics. If you have your Bible, turn to Romans 15, 1 through 16. Thank you for those who are not only here live and in person, but joining us via Facebook Live and those who will join us podcast, which is my favorite way to listen to all this, and also on YouTube. So let's begin with Romans chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. So we're to love and care for one another. We then who are strong. So there's some strong and some weak that we're going to talk about. We then who are strong. This is from New King James Version ought to bear with the scruples of the weak. Now that word scruples is found in the King James Version, not found in uh, King James, but we're going to talk about what that means. So bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, not for our good, but for his good, leading to edification. We're also going to talk a little bit about what edification means. So, we then who are strong, if you consider yourself strong in the Lord, in comparison to your brother or sister, then this is saying, use that strength that you have to bless them, and to encourage them, and to lift them up, not just to please yourself. So remember last week we were talking about that don't make your brother stumble. Don't uh, eat food from an idol if that's going to make your brother stumble. All those kinds of things. Well now he's saying if you're strong and you know they're weak in an area then don't live to just please yourself. Because there's things that honestly the Lord might not uh, convict us of doing that aren't wrong necessarily but might be a stumbling block or might be a hindrance uh, to our brother and sister in Christ. And he said, don't do that. Do something that's going to be for their benefit and their good, and that's actually going to edify them. And that's, that's really where he's at. Uh, instead of using your strength to please yourself, then uh, do something to help them. So the word scruple there, we a lot of times it's used in the positive sense uh, in that you know that person has scruples they have some things that uh, they're going to not do because they feel like it's wrong the moral integrity so the word scruple if you look it up it means a mental reservation I'm going to stop and think about whether or not I'm going to do this thing that's what having a scruple is about. So, in other words, just instead of living these people, and actually he's describing them as weak. So instead of just going about living life with freedom and the way you know the Lord kind of intended us to do, these folks who are weaker are worried about a little bit of everything. Am I, am I going to sin? Am I going to miss out if I do this or that? Uh, or worried, did I, I eat some meat? Did I eat 
something that had been offered to an idol. So it's a mental reservation. Another way of saying that is an ethical consideration that inhibits action. I'm not going to do that because I think it might be wrong. Now, there's nothing wrong with having scruples from a standpoint of we shouldn't just dive in and do everything and anything. We ought to think about what we're doing, right? Uh, but Paul's saying here that there's this lack of freedom from a Christian standpoint. And how many of us, whom the sun sets free, is free indeed, right? Uh, so that's kind of where he's going here uh, with this. And he says that we are to bear with the scruples of the weak. And that bear with doesn't mean to just put up with. You know, when you think bear with, it's almost like you think about kind of grit your teeth. Oh, I don't really like them, but I'm going to bear with them. Kind of thing. But that's not what this means here. To bear with someone is actually means to, to support them with your strength. So you get a picture of helping somebody stay up, helping, supporting somebody. Uh, over the last few weeks, I had to have some support to walk. You know, I had to have some crutches, a cane. Uh, now the doctor's saying, you're pretty much released to do what you want to do, uh, to walk and to do all those kinds of things and exercise. Uh, just He said, just don't run. And I just kind of chuckled and I said, I haven't ran in a long time. <laughs> but we're to bear with one another. How many knows that this attitude goes against what the world does and believes? The world says, you're number one. I'm number one. I'm going to do what I want to do, no matter how it affects anybody else. That's an attitude of the world, isn't it? It says, I'm number one. I'm going to take care of number one. The underlying theme of this, Paul is saying, by helping one another, and bearing with one another, you're actually going to be happy and not feel like you're restricted because you're playing your part in the kingdom of God to help others. So there's a happiness about helping build up others instead of building up yourself. This life, if it is only about yourself, Will be very disappointing. Uh, how many have found that to be true? I mean, it, it, it's just the truth. If it's only about me and my and my four, then there's no real purpose. There's no real why. Why am I here? I'm just. I'm just. It's just about me. And we know that's not true, right? God didn't design us that way, and so He designed us to be about building up other people. Uh, we are to be Barnabases. We don't hear a lot about Barnabas, but Barnabas, literally his name means encourage. And that's what we're supposed to be, right? Uh, for one another. When you see your Christian brother or sister uh, doing what God's called them to do, or working for the kingdom, hey, bless them, encourage them. Oh, I appreciate what you're doing, you know. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that at all. We need to do that. And uh, let us please our neighbor instead of just ourselves. Uh, and it, that's a challenging call for us if we're self-centered and if we're just putting ourselves first. That can be a challenging call 
But with the love of Christ in us, it's not quite as challenged. God calls us to be, we're, we're to be like Jesus. Jesus put others first. He could have, and he even said this, I could have called 10,000 angels and, and kept me from going to the cross. I didn't have to do this. I did this for others. When we look at that, and Paul says a very similar thing, by the way, in Philippians chapter 2. It really mirrors this, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And he says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. That takes it a step farther than sometimes we want to go. We're to treat others even better than ourselves. Not just as ourselves, but even better, is what Paul's saying in Philippians. So that is uh, quite the challenging call. Because we're strong, how many knows when you're strong, there's responsibility about being strong? And we're to help one another. Let us please our neighbor for his good. We're not to be just about pleasing ourselves. So, and this, we do all of this leading to edification. When I say edification, what, what do you think about? What, is it, what does that include? If you're doing things to edify somebody or edify the church or edify the body of Christ, what, what does that look like? To lift someone up, okay? Bring them to maturity. Somebody else? Improve. To build up. Okay. So edification uh, is about improvement of another person. It's instruction that helps them to improve morally or intellectually. But that's, that's kind of the definition of edification. So it's teaching, like, did you know that teaching is a gift? It's in the Bible, and it is a gift, and it edifies the body of Christ. Just like preaching, just like all of those gifts edify prophecy, edifies the church, uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, tongue, interpretation, those are all gifts that edify uh, the body of Christ. In other words, they improve us. They help us. I was so blessed this week. Sunday, I, must say, I think that was the first service. It was the first service where uh, Linda gave a tongue and an interpretation. So she uh, gave a tongue and interpretation, and it talked about not going to the right or to the left, but to walk in the way of the Lord. Walk ye in the way of the Lord is what it says. Walk straight. In other words, stay in line. Do, do what I've called you to do. Don't look over here. Don't look over there. I thought, I know that was the Lord, but I couldn't identify with it. I was like, I know that was the Lord, but I'm not connecting with that. Uh, and I thought, I know she didn't miss it. I mean, I just, I just knew she didn't miss it. Uh, it was just too evident. It was a word from the Lord, but I, I personally did not connect with that. Then I had somebody come to my office yesterday, and they said, wow, 
what a service. That word was directly for me. I was just like, thank you for telling me that because I knew it had to be a word of the Lord and it was for somebody. And so it connected with right where that person was in their life. They were at a point of decision. Do I do this? Do I do that? Do I continue in the path that I'm in? What, what do I need to do? I mean, they were in, a, they were in a, a state of truly asking the Lord, what do I need to do? And God answered. That is edification. Teaching and spirit-led uh, words that give us direction and instruction and keep us going. Isn't that exciting? I mean, that's really neat how God uh, just does that. Verse 3 and 4. So, Paul says we're to edify, lift up one another, and then he says, I got an example for you. Guess who his example is? Christ, right? Jesus. For even Christ did not please himself. That's not why Jesus came. He didn't come to say, I'm going to go down there on that earth that I created and I'm just going to mess with them people. He, he didn't do that. He came not to please himself, but literally that all, so the scripture says, might come to a knowledge of salvation through him. He came to seek and to save the lost, the scripture tells us. And so it wasn't, wasn't for him, it was for us. It wasn't pleasing itself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who re reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning. See this principle of learning? Edification, learning. Whatever is written were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. That's why you need to be in church. You're in the Word of God. So you develop what? What, the, what are those things that you're going to develop? Patience? None of y'all need patience. Just me. So, so that we can develop. Hey, look at that last verse 4. That we through the patience and comfort. So we're learning and developing through the scripture. Patience and comfort. So that we can have hope. Now this world. Sure, surely this world doesn't need hope, does it? Not just this world, but we need it, right? Now how many knows that you can find all of those things by studying on your own? You can. I'm not saying that you won't ever find patience, comfort, or hope in the scriptures for your self-study. But there is something special. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a pastor. I'm saying this because I know it to be true. When we come together and we hear the word together, and we're edified together, then there's a special release of God's Spirit to grow us and to mature us and to develop us into as a body, what He's called us. We were designed to be together. And, uh, you know, the Word tells us that we're to be together even more now when we see the day approaching than even before. And we're seeing the opposite in some arenas. Some people are staying home. Now, I know there's times people are sick. So even Christ did not please himself. 
So Jesus is our ultimate example of someone who did not just please himself, but he put others first. Paul develops this same idea in Philippians, again, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, of putting others first. Paul's work agrees with itself. What he wrote here in Romans, he agrees with himself in Philippians. And when you read the scriptures, you should be looking for that kind of stuff. That might be good. Sometimes I think I might have need to teach on how to study the scriptures. What are we looking for? How do we interpret the scriptures? Let me notice that we, I'm getting off the subject a little bit, but, but we interpret the scripture by the scripture. Right? Not by how we feel. I don't like that one, so I'm going to move on. But if you do that, you're going to run across it somewhere else again. Because the word interprets itself. You interpret scripture by scripture. And so you'll see a theme running throughout the whole Bible. The theme of salvation. The theme of grace runs through the Old Testament and into the New Testament. The theme of God's mercy. All, all those kinds of themes. And so those are ways to study uh, the Bible. Jesus is that example. He suffered. He suffered for our sake. For God's glory uh, and setting instead of for himself. So he took our approach to sin. He became sin, though he did not sin. He, he became sin who knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness, uh, that we might have hope. Paul's big on hope here in this chapter. I'm thankful for hope, right? Imagine if this world was all there it was to life. It'd be bad, folks. We're, we're not living in good times. Uh, you know, not. Uh, I'm not saying you can't have a good time, but I'm saying that these, I believe, we're living in perilous times, as the scripture talks about. And so we have hope, hope uh, beyond this life and beyond this world. Let's read verses five and six, and. So now Paul has said, you need to bear with your brother or sister, bear them up, hold them up, lift them up, encourage them, uh, edify them. Here's Jesus, the example. Now he does something that is really good, is he prays for us to be able to do this. It's not natural to look out for the other person. It's supernatural. It's God's spirit. That's the only way we can do it. And so Paul is saying, I'm going to pray for you so that you can do this, so that you can help others. And he says, now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another. What kind of like-minded? Like what he just talked about. Like Christ. Or to be like-minded. Have patience and to comfort others like it says in the line just before that right according to Christ Jesus that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ Paul is not just saying you do this singularly you act like Christ you build up your brother and sister he's saying let's all do this 
like-minded one mind, and we are to have one mouth to say the same thing, to build up other people. I don't know if you build up or tear down if you want. And so we're to have one mind and one mouth to glorify God. And we glorify God when we build up others. You want to glorify God? It's not through the awesome things that you'll do. It's through building up other people. Uh, that's, what he's, that's what he's saying here. I'm not saying you can't do anything great for the Lord. I'm saying we forget about building others up as a great thing of God to do, right? Can I tell you, it absolutely thrills me. And up to any teacher, uh, I don't care if you're a pastor or a teacher or, or just maybe you are mentoring somebody or you're just an, an encourager, it ought to thrill you when somebody begins to mature and grow in the Lord. You should not become jealous. They might surpass you. Praise God if they do. And so you're to be, uh, have one mind and one mouth glorifying God. Our God is a God of patience. I'm so glad he is. He's a God of patience. And he's not in a hurry. How many ever tried to hurry God up? How did it work out for you? Because God doesn't get in a hurry. He's not about microwaving, convection ovens. He's more like about uh, crock pots. Sitting in the oven all day long. It may be in the fire like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know what I'm saying? God is a patient God. and He's developing us and he's not in a hurry. But in general, his nature is that he's not in a hurry. Because he's not worried about it. Not like we are, right? He's a God of patience. This is hard to do. Have you ever seen your child? I'm an adult, but mostly little kids when this kind of thing happens. And they're struggling a little bit. And you can help them. But you know you shouldn't. And you should let them develop. And you should let them build some character. You should let them build some confidence that they can do something. And that's the way God is. And I want to say, God, get me out of this. I don't like this. This is hard. This is tough. I'm already tough enough, God. I'm already strong enough. I'm already, I already have enough confidence in you, Lord. Get me out of this. But He's not in a hurry. He really isn't. And he's developing us as his children into people who can be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and say, our God can. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bend, we're not going to bow, we're not going to break. And if we have to go through the fire, we're going to go through the fire. That's, that's what God is doing with us. Even when God delays, he's not necessarily denied. Sometimes God doesn't just say no. Sometimes he says, wait a minute. You ever done that? I have. Why do children, when you go to the grocery store, want something now? Number one, because of children, yes. Number one is because the stores are really sharp. And they put that candy and those sticker bars and those whatever right there and 
I had to grab it away. And those kids want it now. But what we want to teach is good. If you're obedient and you're patient. And mom and daddy probably will buy this, but you get to get it when you get home. There's development that we do, and God does the same thing. God's saying delay is not his denial. And so keep waiting, patient. He's going to come through. And you're going to be better to call them. And so uh, that's exciting. That you may glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what God designed you for. God didn't design you to just have a job. You need one. If you're working at it, you need one. He didn't just design you to, you know, have a house and to have a car and have all those things are good and they're blessings, but God designed you to glorify Him. You can do that in and through those things that He's given to you. Or sometimes you can take them away and you glorify them in that. And we're to glorify God in all of that. Sickness, health, that, that comes from the Bible. Not from Scripture, but that's God's attitude for us is that we're to glorify Him whether we're sick, whether we're well, whether we're rich, whether we're poor. All of those things, we're to glorify God. And so that, that, that is a biblical uh, principle that we look at. All right, let's read verses 7 through 13. Now, let me be honest. Sometimes I struggle with certain scriptures. Sometimes it's because I don't like them. And sometimes it's because they're difficult even for me to understand. Even after I get out my good commentary, and I'm like, man, this is a lot. And I've struggled with some of this, just to be honest with you. Maybe understood it some, but when you when you teach, you understand it to be able to give that knowledge to somebody else. And sometimes that's not quite as easy as just understanding yourself. This is not the easiest passage, these next few that we look at. Therefore, receive one another just as Christ received us. That's important. We're going to come to that. If you underline in your Bible, that's an important passage. And it goes right along with what he's been saying. Hey, build each other up, lift each other up. Jesus is the example. And, there, and then he said, you need to be like him and receive one another just like Christ received you. Now think about this. I'm going to say it. Don't answer. We're going to move on. But we're going to get to it. How did Christ receive you? How did he receive you? We're going to receive others just like that. Don't answer yet. To the glory of of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God. Who's the circumcision? The Jewish people, right? To confirm the promises made to the fathers, talking about the ancestry of Israel here, and when they talk about the fathers, it goes all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. That's who he is the God of, right? And that the Gentiles, so now not just Jews, the Gentiles, might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. For this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles. So God didn't leave us out. That's a theme that runs through Romans. That the Gentiles are part of God's plan. 
and sing to your name. So there's a theme of praise that he's about to go into. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. So he's saying, hey, the Gentiles got something to sing and rejoice about. They weren't left out. God's in their plan. It's good news. And rejoice with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse. Who's that root? Christ. Jesus is in the direct lineage of David. Direct lineage of David. He comes from the root of Jesse. Who was Jesse? David's father, right? And he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall have hope. Or shall hope. We've got hope because of Jesus. Paul's repeating himself a little bit here, right? Uh, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul just kind of goes off. Man, you, get, you guys get, you Gentiles get a chance to rejoice and joy in the Lord as well as the Jews. And you ought to praise the Lord. You ever praise God that he chose you? He didn't have to. But he did. Right? And then and he's praising because I didn't do anything to deserve God choosing me. God redeeming me. I didn't, I didn't deserve it. But he chose me anyway. And so we just, thank you, Lord. I, I didn't do anything to deserve it. I didn't earn it. I didn't, nothing that I did would have been good enough to earn what you've given to me. And so that's kind of where Paul goes. So now let's answer that question I asked. How many remember what I asked? Jesus, here Paul is saying, receive one another just like Christ received you. So how did Christ receive you? Billy Graham would have loved that saying, what? Just as I am. That song says, just as I am without one plea, but that thy love was shed for me. We didn't have any reason. We didn't have anything to plead to God. We didn't do anything to earn what he's given to us. And so, just as I am. How, what, what else? How did God receive you? Open arms. Oh, I love that. He didn't require anything of us. He didn't say, you've got to do this first, right? But he said, I'm doing this for you. Open arms. Come just like you are. Unconditionally. How did Christ receive you? With joy, yeah. But what about with, with grace? Patience? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he definitely receives us with patience, right? Uh, and, and what an awesome thought. If he did that <laughs> for us, here's how Paul's driving it home. Man, God received you when you were wicked, when you were out of fellowship with Christ, when you were enemies of the cross. He loved you unconditionally, just like you are. He said, come, I welcome you with open arms. I welcome you, not just with open arms, not, not a dreading welcome you, but with joy and with patience and all these. He receives us. If Christ received you like that, then what have you got to complain about, about receiving others like that? This, this is how Paul's driving home this message of saying, well, we need to help each other out. 
I didn't deserve what Christ did for me. And I'm going to help my brother out because I didn't deserve it either. And I'm going to love him like Jesus loved me. And so it's such so powerful. What a beautiful uh, picture. Y'all know I like Charles Spurgeon. Listen to this quote. Christ did not receive us because we were perfect, because he could see no fault in us, or because he hoped to gain something at our hands. No, but in loving condescension, covering our faults and seeking our good, he welcomed us to his heart. So in the same way and with the same purpose, let us receive one another. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, what, what a quote. He didn't require us. We were in our sins and ugly and disobedient. And the Lord received us. I don't know about you, but this brings some conviction. I don't think I love my brother or sister like I ought to. I, I, you know, I feel like I love them, but man, do I love them to this level. I'm, I'm not saying conviction in a bad way. I'm saying... It ought to stir us to love one another, right? In a deeper dimension, in a greater way. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. So Paul starting starting to wrap up this chapter, this prayer. I mean, notice that you always like you start off with a prayer and then you kind of bring it to a conclusion. And that's what he's doing here. And he's it's the benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Paul is putting into action what he's just said we ought to do. You know when you pray for other others, you're treating them like what Paul has said to do. How many of us, I'm raising my hand, are guilty at times of just praying for me, my wife, and my kids, and maybe a few friends that are real close. I'm just being honest. We're, we're, we're here together, right? How do we bless others? Maybe we're not super close to everybody in the church. I mean, that's kind of hard to do. You know, there's not a hundred or more of us. That if everybody showed up, uh, it's so hard to like be really personal with people. But you know how you can bless them? Pray for them. People are, we are creatures of habit. May the God of hope fill you with all uh, joy and peace. Let's read verses 14 through 16. Paul's written, at this point, after we read these two verses, almost half of this chapter, and now he's going to tell us why. This is Paul's reason for writing this portion. Now I myself am confident concerning you. In other words, I've got some confidence in you. He's talking to the Jewish believers who are in Rome, the church there, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness. You're good people. That's what he said. You're good people, filled with knowledge, able to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I've written more boldly to you on some points as what? Reminding you. What Paul's doing? He's reminding us of something. Reminding you because of the grace given to me by God that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. He's reminding them of all the things that he just said. Not that you didn't know it. How many ever come to church before? I know this has happened, so this doesn't offend me. And you're like, I didn't learn anything new today. 
It's all right. You got reminded of what you already knew. Reinforced. Reminded. That's what Paul's doing. So he's reminding them of this uh, because of the grace given to him by God. Uh, and then he goes uh, on down through, the, through this that the offering of the Gentiles might be accepted. That's kind of key, too. So Paul, in this prayer, it's like a priestly prayer. Paul was the, praying like a priest would over the Gentiles who were here in Rome. And he's saying, I'm offering the Gentiles like a sacrifice that they might be acceptable, sanctified by the, by the Holy Spirit. So why can Paul say this? Because he was called to the Gentiles. And he's a priest over the Gentiles. Now, that's not mean that, you know, ultimately the, the, the priest of the household of God is Christ, right? But he's an under-shepherd. Jesus called him, the Lord called him to be one who would minister to the Gentiles. So he's reminding them. Paul is wrote to remind them of what they already knew was the right thing to do. You ever made up your mind he's going to do something you knew it wasn't quite right? But he's going to get revenge, or he's going to get justice, or he's going to get... And then somebody, or the Lord, says, now you know that ain't the right thing to do. And they just remind you of what you already know is the right thing to do. But that's what Paul is doing here. He's reminding them of what is already the right thing to do for them to do. I tell you, the Holy Spirit does a great job of that. Doesn't he? Everybody getting ready to do something, and the Holy Spirit says, you know better than that. Does the Holy Spirit talk to you like that? Because he talks to me like that. In the right attitude and with love, we're to do that with others. You've got to quantify that. Don't walk up and slam somebody. Do it in love. If you know that they're not doing right, and they know the right way, not just a gentle nudge. Man, I love you, and I know what you're going through, and I know how hard it is. This is what you're doing. And the, the Lord wanted me to just come by and encourage you. Just don't go to the right in that tongue's interpretation. Don't go to the left. I know you'd want to get justice. I know you would want to get revenge. I know you would want to do it your own way. I know. But do it like the Lord would want you to do it. Sometimes we don't appreciate it at the time, but that's what God has called us to do and receive that. How many of you ever had to receive correction? I'm raising my hand. I've had to receive correction before. Sometimes from my pastor, sometimes from my bishop, sometimes from a loving member of the congregation. I've not gone too far to not be correction, but neither of you, right? As long as we do it in love, uh, then we're in the right attitude. Well, let's go through the questions and then we'll come back and see if there are other questions. So, according to verse 1, what two things should a strong person do? Help the weak to please yourself. Don't be in it to just please myself and help build up other people. The weak. So, what does the word scruples mean? mental reservation, uh, a consideration, an ethical consideration that inhibits action is another way to put that. That's a long description. So mental reservation is 
much easier. Moral hesitation. So there's a, is this right? Is this wrong? Should I do it? Should I, you know, that kind of thing. And, and we're to, to not cause that person to stumble, build them up, help. Question three, what does edification mean? Instruction to improve, that's good. Like who did Paul use as, as an example of someone who did not please himself? Jesus or Christ. What kind of attitude are we to have with one another? Like-minded. In other words, like Christ, right? Uh, like Christ had patient, comforting is two words that are up above that in the sentence before. I mean, verse 7, question 6, fill in the blank. Therefore, Receive one another just as Christ has received us. I hope you got something out of that because that really touched me. We get we want to receive others like Christ has received us. When somebody walks, and I pray to this effect. Sometimes I go stand on that balcony and I look out and I can't see all of our sails. I'm not saying it, but it's kind of an elevated place, and I look out over this little community here, and I and I just Pray, God help us to receive people. Because God can send people and we don't receive them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And because we have a mentality of what they ought to look like and act like and dress like. And so help us to receive them like you received us. I wasn't what I ought to be when I came to Christ. Neither were you. I was seven, and I was not what I ought to be. On what grounds did Christ receive us? You guys answered a lot. Okay. Just as I am, grace, mercy, patience, all those things. Uh, he received us that way. Question eight. Why did Paul write to them? To remind them. To do what they do was already right way to do. 